to this week's episode of the HC Hive, a podcast about all things HCI, UX, and grad school. I'm Taylor. And I'm Madeline. And we're students in Georgia Tech's Human-Computer Interaction Program. Today, we'll be talking about a monumental shift in the U.S. job force, often referred to as the Great Resignation. Before we jump in, let's start off with some background. In April 2021, the U.S. job force experienced a monumental shift. A record 3.8 million Americans left their jobs in April. And this was not a one-off incident. This pattern continued over the following months as millions of workers left their jobs. In the following November, a record high of 4.5 million people resigned from their positions. That's a total of 3% of the job force and the highest number ever recorded. And today, in 2022, similar numbers are projected. The Great Resignation, also known as the Big Quit and the Great Reshuffle, is an ongoing trend fueled by a carpe diem-like mindset and burnout in current jobs, especially those that continue to experience high demands as the COVID-19 pandemic continues. So who's leaving and why? Well, you probably won't be surprised. Industries seeing the greatest number of employees leaving are tech, healthcare, and hospitality, all workforces that have major burnout from the pandemic. In today's episode, we want to give a face or faces to the people that have experienced it firsthand. We have several lovely guests to help us look beyond the statistics and understand how the great resignation has played a role in their personal lives. A huge welcome to Rachel, Justin, and Ravini. Thank you all for joining us today. Let's start off with some brief introductions. I'd love each of you to share your name and a little bit of background information on you and your work. Rachel, would you start us off? Thank you, Taylor, I sure will. Hi everyone, my name is Rachel Lund. I live in Normal, Illinois, and I have experience working as a systems engineer for the government. And I have also most recently worked as a user experience researcher in the technology field. Awesome. Justin, can you share a little bit about your background? Hi, yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm happy to be here today. A little background about myself. Um, I'm a software engineer living in Los Angeles. And prior to that, I've always kind of been working in the hardware and software space. All right, Ravini, would you be so kind to share your background? Hi, everyone. I'm Ravini. I am currently a second year in the Georgia Tech MSHCI program. But prior to making the switch to UX and UX design, I actually worked as a teacher for children of different ages. Awesome. Thanks so much for sharing, you guys. We're really thankful for you to take the time out of your day to record with us. The first question we want to ask is, before the switch into your current role, what was your former role? Justin, could you tell us a little bit about your work? Yeah, sure. So prior to working in the fintech software engineering space, I did a few different things. I was previously working in a digital advertising agency, working in that space for a couple of years. And before that, I think we're avoiding company names. So I was working for a company um, known by a specific fruit uh, that you might be familiar with, where I was working on both hardware and software. That's really fantastic. I love the former fruit. <laughs> so Ravini, can you tell us a little bit about your background as well? Yes. After I graduated undergrad, I had a degree in psychology and a minor in computer science. I was pretty unsure of what I wanted to do with that degree. So I um, did a one-year AmeriCorps program where I was teaching third and fourth graders in San Jose, California. 
So after that program ended, I had the opportunity to start a position at a large healthcare software company. I worked there for about a year before I decided that I didn't want a role that was so technical and took up so much of my time. So then as I was transitioning to kind of decide what I wanted to do with my life, I actually took up teaching again. But this time I was teaching two-year-olds and this was also during the pandemic. So it was a bit of a tough time managing working at a school while children were having to be so careful. Also during this time, I found UX design and I had thought that I didn't want to venture into the realm of technology again, but UX design really seemed like a way for me to combine my desire to be creative and working with people with kind of that job security of being in the tech field. So I started my master's program here at Georgia Tech for human computer interaction in 2020, and that's where I am now. It's a fantastic journey. Thank you so much for sharing that. And Rachel, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much, Madeline. So currently I am between jobs, but I'm going to go back to my first job, uh, my first big girl job, I call it, out of grad school. I was essentially a, a systems engineer, specifically a human systems integration engineer, and I worked both with hardware and software. And then my next job after that was primarily with software as a user experience researcher. Uh, and that was with a Fortune 50 company that I was doing research on software products. And then around the time of the great resignation, I was still in the technology field for a small defense contractor where we were building mobile apps for military personnel. I have since left that job as well, and I'm excited to get more into the conversation and, and talk about the great resignation and all the different factors that came into play with making these changes in my career. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing. I really appreciate you guys giving us a little bit of background and talking a little bit about what you have done in your careers, whether they've been long or short. Um, Rachel, I just wanted to dig in a little bit more on your background because you talked about um, making a switch during the time of the great resignation. And we definitely want to delve into that and why people were making the decisions to leave their jobs um, during that time period. So I just wanted to ask you what facilitated that decision or what pushed you to make the decision to switch jobs? Absolutely. That's a great question. So I had a really fantastic job working for the government as a HSI engineer, human systems integration. I was working out in Virginia in the DC area. And just the older I got, the more I missed my family. And so I was searching for jobs specifically in the state of Illinois. So that was my primary reason for leaving that job and moving to the Fortune 50 company. That job was going well. Working for that uh, large corporation, it was a traditional office job. We would go in to the office every day and then COVID happened. So very quickly, the company moved a lot of people into a fully remote position. So during the great resignation, I had been working from home, I would say for about two years. So that was a very dramatic change. I remember when I was first hired at this company, we had one coworker who was remote, who was a, a remote employee and hearing how 
she got permission in order to do that. And it was a very special circumstance. And I had heard that if you wanted to do your job from home, even for a day, like if you had a, a maintenance worker coming to your house, you had to be there uh, while they were working. You had to get special permission in order to work from home. And you had to have a really good reason why. So it was very rare for this company to allow employees to work from their homes. We had challenges with the network right away, but that all got sorted out very quickly and only the essential workers were left in the building. So I was actually very impressed with how that was handled and how quickly they were able to get us up and going in a work from home situation. And everyone felt differently because everybody was in a different place in their life. But I grew to love it. I'm single and I have a dog and I loved working from home and being able to spend more time with my dog and be productive when I was taking breaks from work. And to be fair, as things started to look better and we thought we were going back to the office, we were not mandated to go back into the office. So there were other factors in my personal life that caused me to want to seek a different position. And actually the opportunity was brought to me. I wasn't out actively job searching and it was a great opportunity that I couldn't pass up and it just happened to be fully remote. So I guess the other reasons why I left that other job had less to do about the, the work itself. And, and there were some other reasons and factors outside of that caused me to look for a different job. Sorry for the really long answer. <laughs> You're good. Thank you for sharing. It's really insightful. And I really like how you mentioned that the opportunity came to you, that you weren't out necessarily chasing one. I think that's really interesting, and I think that says a lot about this period in the job market right now. But I wanted to check in with Justin, because I think, Ruvini, you gave us some background about why you made the switch into UX and design and moving towards technology away from your previous positions. Justin, I'd love to hear a little bit more from you about the motivation behind your decision to um, switch jobs or switch fields or careers. Yeah, that's a uh, great question. The motivation to switch fields. So I really enjoyed my last job. One of my favorite parts about it was working at an agency. I got to be exposed to a lot of different businesses and we were specifically working in the e-commerce space. So websites are really important. We were very into parsing why things worked, why things didn't outside of simply the product that they were selling. Kind of the biggest factor outside of the thing that you're selling is your brand, which is communicated through, okay, social media, but also your website. And so for me, I found a lot of enjoyment in that process of like kind of trying to decide what it was that works, what doesn't. And I also really enjoyed the technical aspects of it. So whenever I got the opportunity to dive under the hood a little bit, that was what I found the most interesting. And in my role, I was doing a good bit of data analytics. And so the other part of my job that I really enjoyed was getting to work and do it with code a little bit. I'm doing some kind of basic Python-based data analytics. That kind of gave me a taste for the kind of work that I'm doing pretty exclusively today. I had been at my job for about two years as the pandemic was, well, not wrapping up, but hitting the two-year mark. I was just kind of trying to figure out what next steps looked like for me. And I was exploring options of, okay, do I just apply for new jobs in a similar role? I also was really interested in the opportunity to go more into software engineering, because as I mentioned, the thing that I enjoyed the most was the technical side of what I was doing. And so I ended up enrolling in a software engineering program, which was the accelerated course to getting into what I'm doing now, which is exclusively coding. And even though my interest was from front end analysis and, okay, what is it about websites 
that work and what doesn't. I actually work entirely on the back end now. But if I hadn't kind of followed that step of getting into the technical side of things, I wouldn't have found to where I'm working on now. What I do is I work in the fintech space where we're working on software for credit unions to manage their commercial loans. So it's more interesting than it sounds, I promise. But I, re I really enjoy it. It's been a really fulfilling switch for me. I, I find that the work is challenging. I like the people that I'm working with and the stuff that we're working on. I'm very happy with the decision that I made to shift my trajectory a little bit. And I feel quite confident that this is the space that I'll be working in for the not short term. <laughs> that is great to hear. It's always good to hear when someone has found their niche or found the thing that they love to do. I think we can all aspire to that. I know that's something that Rachel shared with me when she was my mentor at my previous internship as well. Ravini, just real quick before we move on to the next question, is there anything else you wanted to share about your motivation for switching into UX and tech? Yeah, so as I mentioned before, I had previously done about a year in healthcare software in a more technical role. That role basically taught me that I didn't want a job that was too technical. So I thought I'd kind of ruled out the tech field. But once I found UX and I realized it was a little more interdisciplinary, which was right up my alley, that's why I decided to give you know the tech world another shot. Because I'm a student, I am obviously currently not in a role right now, but as I'm looking for jobs, I think what I've learned from my past jobs, as well as what we've all learned during the pandemic with like working at home, is definitely influencing what I'm looking for in a new job. One thing that's really drawing me to the tech world right now is the flexibility. I think during the pandemic, we all realized that, especially for jobs within the tech field, they are very doable remotely. and. I think initially for a lot of people that was scary to make that shift to working from home or doing school from home. But then once we realized that was going to be the reality for a bit, some of us started realizing how nice that was, right? Like you don't have to prep a lunch before you go in. You can cook lunch during your lunch break. Just little things that help make your mental and physical health better. I think we're all noticing those are some of the perks. Before the pandemic, I actually never would have applied to remote jobs. I don't think most of us would. But now I'm that's about half the roles I'm applying for, you know. So I think that is something that's really attractive about working within the tech space and something that I'm hoping to take advantage of in the future. Yeah, I would actually, since we're on the topic of remote and flexibility, I, I think it's worth pointing out that I live in Los Angeles and my company is based in Louisiana. So I am fully remote and we've talked about uh, it would be great to go and visit in person. And I'm sure that they'll fly us out at some point for in-person team building type of sync. But for the time being, it's really great. I work with people all across the country, a few people internationally. And when I was in the process of searching, not having to filter by within a 10 mile radius of where I live massively opened up the number of options that I had available just to apply to. Because I think something that everybody understands with the job process is that it, with the job searching process is that it is a numbers game and you're not going to shoot off three or four applications and get an offer. So being able to have a, a much larger pool to pull from made the process more palatable. 
And now my job, as we've all said, it's very flexible. I can do what I need to during the day, whether that means working a little bit more in the morning, a little bit in the evenings is really great. And my previous job, actually, before the pandemic, before any of this, I was part-time in-person, part-time remote. So I think it was two days a week we did in-person. And being perfectly honest, the days that we had in-person were less productive. I don't know if it was because we got distracted because it was fun to see people in person. And th there is some value to that. I definitely think that there is something to getting the whole in-person experience. But in terms of productivity, getting my work done, from just a being able to focus and having like a workspace that's kind of designed towards getting things done and then also the time saved from commuting i decidedly get more done working at home <laughs> so part of as i as i have uh, been thinking through the questions that you sent part of what i do want to talk about in the podcast is how many people in my generation because i believe i'm <laughs> a little bit older than everybody else here how when we went to school for X, that is the field that we have gotten into and I can't really quantify it for you, but there are a lot of people who are changing careers, like doing something completely different because they find that the career they've gotten into, the thing that they went to school for is no longer their passion. Yeah, I'm I so mean, what? Glad. Can you believe that people who are 18 years old can't figure out what they want to do for the next 40 right. years that they right. might change their mind. <laughs> yes, exactly. Outrageous. <laughs> I'm so glad that you brought that up, Rachel, because one of the big things being cited as part of this great shift is pandemic epiphanies. These are the realizations regarding the priorities and the, the desires that are reshuffling a lot of people. Did you experience that for yourself or was that something that you witnessed more within your friends? You know, that epiphany that I had came a little bit before the pandemic. So it really wasn't caught up in the great resignation or COVID or anything like that. But I have seen friends of mine. I'll give you an example. My cousin, she left her job in nursing. That's what she went to school for. That's what she got multiple degrees in. And I think we're too young to have a midlife crisis. Her and I are in our 30s. But her family moved. They bought a dog boarding and grooming facility and got into a completely different industry. They were now small business owners and just did a 180 from what she went to school for. Now, I can tell you what happened after that because I know her. She's now back in nursing. Not everybody has the ability or freedom in order to make such a drastic change and then be able to return to the thing that they were doing. But I've seen that happen for other people as well. So for myself, I had this epiphany, I would say five, six years ago, where really what I'm finding my passion, and not just as a hobby and the things that I do outside of work, I would love, how many of us would love to make our hobbies our full-time job? If only our hobbies paid as well as the thing that we went to school for. I think a lot of us would be a lot happier. <laughs> Government and politics is now my passion, my hobby, I guess, because I got my degree in technology and engineering, and that is the field, the industry that pays the bills, honestly. So I do, I get involved with government and politics in my free time. Now, 
since I am in between jobs, I will tell you that I have sent my resume out this first wave of sending out resumes. I'm applying for jobs in government and politics. And if that doesn't work out, I'm going to give it about a month or two. Then I'm going to start applying for more traditional jobs within my career field that I have more experience for on paper, given the degrees that I have. So I feel very lucky that I have this opportunity, that I'm financially stable enough to take this chance, this not really a leap of faith, but I have the opportunity to pursue my passions and make my passion my full-time job. So I'm really excited, fingers crossed, that's what I'm going to try and pursue. Rachel, I think what you said about pay was also a pretty big factor in my decision to switch to UX design. You know, I was a teacher before this and I loved teaching. Like it is one of those things I am passionate about, but it is very difficult and the pay is honestly abysmal. And I just knew that wasn't going to be something that would work for me long term. So that was a big factor in me looking at other fields, other potential avenues, what is something where I would have some more job security as well as be paid adequately for what I'm doing? Yeah, I would agree with both of those points. In my experience, in retrospect, one of the biggest attractions to shifting into tech or changing your career in general during the last year or two is that there are multiple avenues to doing it. For a long time, the only way to do a thing was to go and get a four-year degree, and then you can go do the thing. But now, for example, I know software engineering because that's what I do. There are a lot of different ways that you can become a software engineer. You can get a four-year computer science degree. I wish I had one because it sounds really cool. Um, but you can also go the route of a boot camp. You can also be self-taught. There are companies that have internal training programs for this sort of things. And at least in this field in particular, in tech, there's just incredibly high demand for people to do this. So, so many companies have dropped that hard requirement of having a four-year degree specifically in that field. It's certainly a good thing to have, and I'm glad that I have a college degree, but for so, so many people, and frankly for myself, I don't think it would have been an option for me to go back and do a two years master's right now. I would love to, if the opportunity comes up, go back and get a computer science master's at some point, but you know, people got to eat. And so like in my current situation, the fact that I was able to, within about a year basically, go from what I was doing before to what I'm doing now is huge. And it, it took a lot of work. It's not easy. It wasn't like, oh, just sign up and, you know, there's people handing out jobs. But there was a path there. And I think that's what I found really attractive about it. School has never been more expensive right now. So that was really a big thing that helped me decide to pull the trigger um, was that it was feasible, affordable, and in a realistic timeline, given where I'm at in my career and my you know personal situation. Overall, it feels that a lot of the capabilities that have already been planted within yourselves came to the forefront when you were able to launch into thinking about new opportunities. Justin, you mentioned the fact that you were not necessarily needing the requirement to launch into the space that you wanted to go into. Ravini, you mentioned how you could use your teaching and the imagination in that space and bring it into this HCI job that you're trying to um, position yourself for. Did you find specific skills and components of your previous work that you were able to translate into your next step? Or was this more just 
an evolution of where you wanted to go with your career? I definitely think that I learned a lot of skills from my previous jobs that are now applicable in UX design. I think one of the most important ones is just the ability to work collaboratively and communicate with people. Maybe like a couple of years ago, there was kind of this impression of people who work in the tech space as, you know, just being on their computers all the time, heads down. But I find that companies are valuing people who are able to communicate more and more, especially in the field of like UX design, which is very collaborative. You're working in teams, you are designing together, you have to be able to communicate with people working on other parts of a project. So I think that's probably one of the things that teaching really helped me prepare for. Yeah, I'm so glad that you shared that. And I think that that's an underlying theme within the Great Resignation and within this moment. Taylor, did you have other questions? Uh, maybe not a follow-up so much as like a little bit of a shift. I'm going to put a spin on one of the questions that we previously drafted. But I wanted to know, obviously this is a time where there's great opportunity for workers, or that's how it's framed. But I think that we can also tap into the struggles of it as well. Like, Is there anything that any of the three of you have struggled with while switching jobs during this time? Anything that was difficult that may be unique to this period? Yeah, I can definitely offer kind of personal experience there, which is that while there is incredible demand for people to do different roles, particularly in the tech field, there's also demand for experience, which is tough. And so while you may have that experience in your head, if you don't necessarily have it on paper, it can be hard to find an opportunity to get that experience. You know, it's like companies are like entry level job, three to six years of experience. And you're like, hold on, what? So that's definitely a challenge because there's a lot of people switching jobs. There are a lot of jobs out there and most people can find a match if you keep at it for a while. But it's not, I, I think I said this earlier, you're not going to get a job in the first three or four interviews you do. It's a numbers game. It takes a lot of rejection along the way in order to get someone to actually say yes. But I think that given enough persistence, hard work, just about anybody can do it because the demand is there. And at some point, companies have to kind of something's got to give and hire somebody and give people a shot. And there are people out there who are willing to give a shot. I feel very fortunate for my boss at my company. He understood my background and where I was coming from. I was very transparent about what I thought I brought to the table and what I could bring to the table given an opportunity. I like to think that I've fulfilled my end of the deal with that so far, but it, it took a lot of conversations. And before somebody said yes, there were a lot of people who said, you seem really nice, but we just need somebody who has a little bit more experience. And so kind of keeping your head up, being resilient, I think is really, really challenging. And that really just goes for the job search in general. Like anytime it, it's easier to find a job when you have a job. And so when you've made this deliberate decision to potentially leave your other job before securing something else, there is a mental aspect of it. There is a big emotional component of just trying to keep your head up, keep your head down, whatever you want to say, to get until you actually land that job and have successfully made the shift. But I think most people, if you can make it to the other side, say that it was worth it. 
Justin, I felt like you were speaking to me. So I'm going to add a little bit to what you said, since I'm going through that experience right now where I did leave a job before I had my next job secured. So I've been through both ways where I found a job when I had a job and now I have left the job and I don't have my next uh, position secured yet. And I'll just describe kind of the mental headspace that I have gone through just in the last two weeks, because this all happened very recently, where originally I went through a kind of a freak out moment. You know, we've been so trained and all of you who are in school still, you'll experience this as you get those years of experience working, you feel kind of entrenched uh, in just your work schedule of that feeling of having a, a regular steady job steady income, you become accustomed to that. And not even so much the pay, but just the schedule and going to work Monday through Friday, nine to five, whatever it is. And when you don't have that, even just the routine of it, it you kind of freak out a little bit, like, oh my gosh. So there's both the routine aspect, but then also the financial aspect. And I'm grateful that, you know, I'm a saver and I have savings to fall back onto if I need to. But now that I've come out of that freaking out phase, now I'm in, I'm trying to embrace the freedom that it gives me. And, you know, kind of like going back to when you are in school and say, maybe you only have classes on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and you might not have anything to do that day. And that freedom and flexibility of being able to do other things in that off time has been very freeing. So for someone who's been in the workforce for quite a while now, to now all of a sudden experience not having a job and not having to work eight to 10 hours a day, you kind of on one hand are like, what do I do? <laughs> but I have also, I keep myself very busy. So I'm not a couch potato. I'm not bored. Um, I'm catching up on a lot of things, pursuing a lot of things that I just never had time to do, things that always fell into nights and weekends when I could cram them in because I was so busy doing my day job during the bulk of the day. So yeah, when you, you leave a job before you have your next job secured, it's more to me, I describe it as mental warfare, <laughs> uh, that balance between being scared because you can't see the next step or you don't know what the next step is, but also trying to embrace the freedom that it gets you. And so it is kind of freeing in that way as well. Absolutely. Thank you so much for opening up and sharing that, Rachel. I think you touched on a lot of things that we can relate to as students as well. That feeling of not knowing what's next, you know, doing your best to learn and make yourself the best possible candidate can be stressful as a student. So I think I understand what you mean by that mental warfare. All right. Madeline, do you want to go ahead and do our, our wrap up question? Yeah, absolutely. Rachel, I'm so glad that you spoke about embracing this now. And I think that's part of what's really launched this moment is going for now and, and seeing where you fit within that momentum. It's really exciting and it's also a little nerve wracking as well. I'm so glad that you were able to speak to the duality there. As we wrap up, just want to finally ask you all to reflect on what's the difference between where you were before and where you are now, how you've landed. I know we spoke 
continuously about this, but what are some final reflection thoughts that you have that you would like to share? So thinking about my journey, my work, my employment journey that I've been on and the differences between each of the jobs of where I've been and where I'm at now, again, I think about the opportunity that I have. And it's not very often that people get a chance to pursue a job that is also their passion. Going back to what we touched on earlier about when we're young, you're 18, 17, 18 years old, and you're expected to pick a major and that's going to be, you know, what your career is and how many young people might not know what it is they want to do for a career at that point. I originally wanted to be an astronaut. That was my original career path that I wanted to go down and looking back at how my path, my journey has zigzagged all over the place. I've heard it said before that life or your employment journey, it's not a ladder. You're not climbing a straight ladder to the top. It's a jungle gym. Sometimes you're up, sometimes you're down, sometimes you go left, sometimes you go right. Um, the biggest difference I would say is just that I feel like right now I have an opportunity to change directions. Now, a lot of knowledge, skills, and abilities that I have learned throughout my career, through my schooling is going to carry with me, right? Because we're all currently the, the collection of all of our previous experiences have made us who we are today. And so I'm excited. You know, even though I am between jobs right now, I'm, I'm trying to embrace the excitement of this opportunity that I can potentially get into a job that I'm passionate about, that I'm excited about, that I wake up every morning and I look forward to the work that I get to do that day. So that's what I'm most excited about. And I think Taylor will probably tell you as well the advice that I gave her when she worked as an intern at the Fortune 50 company that we both worked at is, you know, as you're in school and you're picking your career path and picking the internships that you do, make sure that it's something that you love. Make sure it's something that gets you excited, that you're curious about, because, you know, most likely that is the field, the industry, at least, that you are likely to be in uh, for the bulk of your career. So pursue the things that truly make you happy. That's my advice. Thank you for sharing that advice again, Rachel. I think it always bears repeating. It's something I always want to remember and to help drive me forward, especially since I'm still in the early stages of my career to remind myself that it is possible to really chase the dream and the passion. And I think this period of time really exemplifies people making those shifts towards what they want and being able to take a hold of life. Uh, Ravini, do you have something to add? So I know that I haven't been in the workforce very long, but during the three years that I had between undergrad and graduate school, I'm really grateful for the various jobs that I had during those three years, because while none of those were in UX design, which is you know what I'm pursuing now, they taught me a lot and allowed me to kind of figure out what my priorities are moving forward. 
And those priorities are going to be different for everyone. Some people might want to be more financially stable, so they might look at the pay offered as one of their top factors that they're looking for. But for me, I realize some of the most important things in a job are flexibility. Like if I need to take time off, will that be okay? Am I able to be physically and mentally healthy while still doing this job? And I think if I hadn't had those three years working in these other fields, I might not necessarily know that. And so I think that's probably my biggest takeaway. And it's something that I'm going to be carrying forward, you know, for the rest of my life. And I'm sure I'll, you know, add and shift priorities here and there. But um, yeah, that's definitely something that I'm very grateful for. So if, if you were to ask me three years ago, like what I thought I would be doing today, what I'm doing now, it would not have been this, which is kind of wild to think about now because now I'm like, of course, this is what I should be doing. Like, this is awesome and I love what I'm working on and this is definitely the thing for me. But I had no expectation of that a couple of years back. And I think if I had to offer myself some advice like back then, it would have been to be more open to change and new opportunities and to the fact that like your identity isn't set in stone really at any point in life. I was definitely um, a victim of like sunk cost, sunk cost fallacy where I was like, I have spent a ton of time trying to do what I'm doing right now. And so I have to double down on that and continue. And I don't regret it. I wouldn't change anything that I did because ultimately that's what I got how I got to where I am today. And I really love the things that I got to study and the jobs that I have had and the things that I've worked on. But ultimately it was kind of a leap of faith thing of, I had a feeling that going the software engineering route was something that would be a good move for a bunch of different reasons. But ultimately I just felt like this is cool. This is interesting. And it was scary and it was definitely uncertain at the time as to whether it would work out and would I get a job and would it pay okay? And would it, would it be a mistake? Will I just find myself doing what I was doing before? Luckily it worked out. The, the path isn't always clear of a straight line from point A to point B, but I'm super glad that I did. And I'm certainly not in the latter half of my career. I'm definitely on the early half of things, but it felt like when I was, I think, but at the time it felt like my identity was set in stone and that I didn't have the opportunity to change. And so I guess if you're thinking about potentially changing things up, exploring something new, you totally should because there's tons of time to do so. And you might find that you really love something that you had no idea that you would love. And so for me today, it's really exciting working on what I'm doing now. And I can think about things that I might be doing tomorrow or in a couple of years. And really it's opened up a whole world of opportunities. Cause like we said, you want to be an astronaut, Rachel, like, okay, cool. I could maybe go do software for NASA or something really cool, which to me would be like the dream, or maybe I won't like, I don't know, but none of those were conversations or thoughts that I could have even entertained a couple of years ago. So it's, it's great. I would, I would say if you're thinking about doing something and changing it up, do it because like, why not? You know, in two years, you'll be two year, two years older than you are now anyway. So you might as well do something interesting and see where it gets you. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing that wisdom, you guys. And I love the message of hope at the end, Justin. It's making my heart feel very warm and like, the world is my oyster. 
thank you so much to all three of you for sharing your stories and perspectives. It's been really enlightening and we really appreciate you guys taking the time and being vulnerable with us and sharing a little bit about your lives and your career paths. Yeah, it's been a ton of fun. Thanks for having us on today. I've loved getting to chat with all of you. Well, this was wonderful to have all three of you on, Rachel, Ravini, and Justin. Your insights were spectacular and so varied and really helped this conversation be thought-provoking and, and illustrate the moment that we're in and help make sense of it all as we continue forward. So thank you all again so much. And to all of our listeners out there, tune in next time for an episode about all things animal-computer interaction. Until then, if you know, you know. And if you don't, no worries, we don't either.